Well, we, we have um, some great stuff happening here at church, and we're in the middle of a refine. In two weeks, we're going to be free from our old debt. And um, we refinanced, and we saved $60,000 a year through refinancing. Is that amazing or what? And, and so uh, we've been working on that for about a year and a half now. In two weeks, that's complete. We get to say it is finished. It is done, and so we, we decided that we would finance in-house uh, through selling bonds, and that way it gives our people the opportunity to get the interest instead of the bank. And so we sold bonds, and they opened it up to current bondholders that we already had in the church, and uh, we sold over half of them already within two days. And uh, so now we're opening up to the rest of the church. If you've never bought a bond and you're interested in making some great interest rates, uh, on your money, and we're me and Pastor Jennifer personally we're rolling some of our retirement into it because it's just too good of a deal not to pass up. But 6.75% compound interest is pretty good. I don't know anywhere in the world you can get that. And uh, then there's some lesser bonds you can buy that are five and ten years. And it's a good way to start a college savings program for y'all that have young children. But enough with that. So next week our bond guy will be here. He'll be Finishing up here, if you're interested in that, we'll have cards for you at that time. If not, I understand. I hate talking about money at the beginning of a Easter service, but I had to tell you the bond guy will be here next week if you're interested. If not, we're going on with Resurrection Sunday. Okay, so open with me today to Romans 8:11. You know, I've been in church my whole life, it seems like. I, I remember my, my mom's aunt would... Or my mom's cousin, it was my aunt. I called her aunt. She really wasn't my aunt. We're starting off that way today. But you know how it is with large families. You just call them something. It's my aunt. That's my uncle. They're, they're no relation at all. But it, this, this one really was my mom's cousin. And she would, um, she loved me and my sister. She'd swing by the house every Sunday morning and take us to Sunday school at First Baptist Church in Nederland and We'd sit there, and we'd go through Bible school, and we'd go to service with her, and she'd bring me back to my mom and dad. At the time, my mom and dad didn't know Jesus, and she was the only Jesus in my life was my aunt. I loved her with all of my heart and still thankful, uh, probably here today because of her. And um, just one of those things as a young kid, I just looked forward to Erica picking me up and taking me to Sunday school, and it was just one of the highlights of my week. I just loved it been addicted to church ever since, and I guess I was about eight or nine years old, and my mom came in the room, and she said, Ryan, um, I need to tell you something. She goes, your Aunt Erica went horseback riding today, and fell off the horse, and she didn't make it, and um, it affected my life. I was like, God, why? This is the greatest woman I know. Why? Why would you take her? And I was confused, and I, I was a little angry about it at first. And, and I just thought about it, and, and I kept dwelling on it. And I was like, well, why'd you take Erica? She took us to church. And, 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 you know, there's some questions we have in life that we answer. and We just we want to know why, but we just can't exactly figure it out. And, and, and there's some things that I can't wait to get to heaven just to ask Jesus and, and so I'll do that one day. 
But I've always loved dressing up and, and getting ready for church. And I even got my Easter socks on. Check those out. Got some yellow on them. And uh, I've always loved getting dressed for Easter. And, because I've always known that even though I don't understand everything that's going on in my life, there's a point where I just trust. And I know that he's there. I've felt him in my life. I've heard him speak to me in my life. And I want to talk about that a little bit today. I want to, I want to go over my favorite Easter verse. And so Romans 8, 11 is it. And it says, the Spirit of God. In other words, the same God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he lives in you. It's amazing. And just as, in other words, the same power, the same power that got Jesus out of the grave, it lives in you. It lives in me. The same exact power. Just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, it says he will give life to your mortal bodies, your dead things in your life. You ever felt like there's just some things in your life that aren't alive anymore? There's some things in your life and some dreams in your life that have just died. This verse says, he will give life to your mortal bodies and by the same spirit living within you. He says, this is how I do it. I do it with the same spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus, it lives in you. And so the resurrection wasn't just for Jesus. The resurrection was for us. The resurrection wasn't just for him. And I love celebrating Easter. I've talked about that. And I just, I love it. And we should celebrate it. But more than celebrating Easter, I think we should experience Easter. I think that's what God really intended in his plan and his purpose. Wasn't for us just to celebrate a day. Celebrate a great day that his son came and his son died. But he wanted us to experience the day in our life. He wanted us to experience that life-giving power in our own lives. He wanted us to feel that power. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells in us. It's, it becomes not just a celebration or, or something we're a part of. It, it becomes something that we are. The resurrection of Jesus gives you power to close the gap between the life you're living and the one you've always wanted to live. Some of you are saying right now, Pastor, I know my life doesn't look like I thought it would look. I know right now that my life, my life I thought would be different. There, there's something about my life that's missing. There's something in my life that just doesn't feel right. And I want to help you with that today. I want you to, I want you to be able to, to get all that God has for you. See, this resurrection power, it does more than just, just it's more than just words on a page. It, it's something that actually can close the gap from where we want to be to where we could be. And God wants to close that gap in our life. God wants you to come get everything that he has for you. That's why we're called Triumph Church. Because I want you to live a life triumphant. In fact, as your pastor, I kind of want to be your tour guide. I want to kind of help direct you through life. When I read the Bible, I don't look at it like a, probably a normal person. 
When I, when I look at the Bible, I see kind of a schematic. When I was in high school, I went state in drafting, and I drew a lot of plans. In fact, I drew our house that we're fixing to build. By the way, we closed on our, our construction loan Thursday. We're excited about that. We're finally getting to have a house. We've been living in 1,400 square feet for two years, and with three boys that fight, it drives you nuts. I want them to get on their own end of the house, not my end. <laughs> and so uh, we closed on that Thursday morning. I told my builder, I said, uh, I said, no pun intended, but it's a good Friday to start. <laughs> and, uh, and, and because we're, we're excited about that, and everything in our life should be exciting. God, God intended us for a li- to live a life and live it to the full. He didn't intend us to be in failure mode our whole entire life. And, uh, you know, since, since I was a, a little boy, I, I've always had lots of cra- crazy questions. And I drive my neighbor's questions. I mean, my neighbor's crazy. In fact, uh, my neighbor that lived to the left of me growing up had a painting auto business in the back of his yard. And it was kind of illegal. We were in the neighborhood, but he did it anyway. You ever met one of those guys? And uh, so you went his front yard, it looked immaculate. You drove through the gate, and it looked like a junkyard. And so I was over there, and I was like, what's this part do? What's that part do? How you do that? Why do you have a fan in this paint booth? Why do you, why do you have this gauge right here on the paint sprayer? And I, I know that he hated me, <laughs> but he tolerated me. You ever feel like that's your life? It's just... You're just being tolerated at times. And, and so I knew I was being tolerated, but I want, I, there was just questions I had like, why? Why this? Why that? And so as I'm reading over the Bible story the last couple of weeks, just getting ready for Easter, I asked to myself, why three days? Why? Why three days? You ever thought about that? Why three days? I know there's a prophecy about Jonah and the well and all that. And, and Jesus will be just like Jonah was in the belly of the well. I, I know those verses, but, but really, why three days? Why didn't he just die? They put him in there, and then the rock immediately goes, and he, he's risen again. Why, why is there a waiting pattern? Why, why are these things happening? Why does it take three days? And, and I came to the conclusion in my head it's because everything I read in my Bible, everything I look at, it's kind of like a schematic. It's a, it's a process. And God always has a process, and he always has a means to the end, and he always knows exactly what he's doing. In fact, I believe that the Bible is so prophetic that it's just as applicable today as it, as it was 2,000 years ago, and that every verse is still alive and still living and breathing because it is the Word of God. And so... I came to the collusion that God is showing us a process during these three days. He's showing us what can happen in our lives instead of what can't happen in our lives. In fact, 1 Peter 2.21 says it like this. This is the kind of life you've been invited into. In other words, God's saying, I'm inviting you into something. I want you to be a part of something. And it's bigger than yourself and it's better than you could ever dream. The kind of life that Christ lived... He suffered everything, everything that came his way so that you would know how it could be done and also how to do it. And I love this part. Let's look at this part. Step by step. 
In other words, there's a process to each one of these days. There's a process to everything you're going through in your life. And God can take the worst thing in your life and he can turn it around for his glory. He can turn it around so that you feel fulfilled about it and that you no longer doubt about it because that's the kind of God we serve. I'm absolutely convinced that Friday teaches us something. Saturday teaches us something, and Sunday teaches us something. That there's lessons in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior. It's more than just three days. There's a process that he wants to take us through. And so I want to start with Friday. Friday, the day, I call it the day of pain. It's a day of warfare. You ever felt like you're just going through war in your life? That everything's just painful. That, that you're just stuck in a Friday kind of day. Listen, this is the day, and I, I believe you'll, you'll agree with me on the day of pain. This is the day that, that Jesus has a crown of thorns beaten on top of his head. That he's scourged 40 times minus one. At 44 to 46 times, it would be death. So they, they did it 39 then they crucified him. And as he hung up there, even after he died, they, they jabbed a spear into his side. He could have came back at any point in history. Any point. He could have came back today to have been lethal injection. He could have came back when the cowboys were around and the Indians. And he could have been hung. No, not my Jesus. He picked the most pivotal time in history where the most gruesome the most gruesome way to die and to be punished was in effect. That's when he chose to come. See, because he went through the ultimate pain, more pain than any other man could just about imagine. And he went through all that pain to let you know that when you're going through your Fridays in your life, that he's, he's been there and he'll go through it with you. There's three different kinds of pain that that Jesus went through that we all fight. First of all, there's physical pain. I I know there's people in this room today that are absolutely in physical pain. And it torments you. And it hurts you. And I believe God can heal you today. You're in a Friday and you feel like you're just stuck and there's no Saturday in your future. Or no Sunday. In fact, when our bodies hurt, it messes with our mind. It messes with our soul. It messes with every area of our life. And it gets to a pain part when you're, you're in pain for so long that you start to lose hope. Then there's emotional pain and Jesus felt this. He said, well, did he really? Did he really feel? Yes, he felt emotional pain. It says in my Bible, it says he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. In fact, I believe some of this stuff might have happened. In the day and age he lived in, it wasn't really acceptable to be a single mom, to have a baby out of wedlock. And so I'm sure there was people still in the crowd that, that looked at my Jesus and said, hey, that's that, that's that boy that was born to the single mom. That was that boy that was born in, born in the barn. He was born in the barn. 
I'm sure they talked about him everywhere that he went. I'm sure they probably called him names. Some of you have depression in your life. and Some of you feel like you're just stuck and it's just a constant Friday and you see no end in sight. Then there's relational pain. Jesus knew what it was like to be single. You're single out here in the crowd. Jesus, Jesus knew what it was like to be you. He knew what it was like to be tempted. In fact, the Bible said he was tempted on all points, yet he never sinned. Tempted in every area. He knows what it's like to be single. There's some guy sitting in the back, so he don't know what it's like to be married. <laughs> yes, he does. He does. He knows what it's like to be married. It says the church is his bride. And if the church is his bride, then Jesus knows what it's like to be cheated on. He does. There's, there's hundreds of people this morning that are somewhere else than, than in a church celebrating him and, and loving on him. He knows what it's like to have family. In fact, he probably had crazy family. And y'all got crazy family? Now don't point to the person next to you. Sharon's pointing at me. He does. He, he knows what it's like to have crazy family. Everybody knows what it's like to have a crazy person in your family. And if you're looking at me right now saying, Pastor, there ain't no crazy people in my family, that's because you're it. <laughs> that's because you're it. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm just being serious right now. <laughs> It was him. He was crazy. He was always outside preaching. You imagine what it like to be Jesus' brother. He's perfect in all of his ways. And uh, he, he, he was. He was a troubled kid. He was the kid that went missing. His picture was on the milk carton in the temple where they found him. He, 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 was, he was a little crazy, a little different than everybody else because at a young age he had a purpose and he had a plan. And it had you in mind. There's a lesson in our pain, and I want to show it to you, Romans 8, 28. And it says, and we know that God causes everything. This is all your pain right here. He causes all your pain to work together for good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God has a, well, that's crazy. God would let me go through pain. That's, that's crazy that he, he could turn my pain. Yes, he can turn it around. And no, he's probably not the reason you're going through pain. Stuff happens. That's not his fault. We tend to blame him for stuff in our lives. That's really not God's fault. He has clear things in his word. It's appointed that every man should die. Paul even said it like this, to live as Christ, but to die as game, because he knew what the purpose was. He knew what the vision was of God's plan. And, and we question those things in our life. But God wants to put purpose to your pain. One of my worst years of my life, if it wouldn't have happened, I probably wouldn't be here today. One of the worst years of my life. If it wouldn't have happened, there's stories I could go into and I'm not going to go into right now. But if it wouldn't have happened in my life, I probably wouldn't be here today where God wants me to be. Sometimes you got to walk through a little pain. you got to walk through a little adversity in life. you got to walk through some bad situations because God, because God wants to take you somewhere. There is no pain that his purpose cannot redeem. 
Some of us aren't in a Friday. Some of us say, well, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not in a Friday. I'm in a different whole situation. Some of y'all say, I'm in both these situations. I'm stuck in Friday and Saturday, Pastor. I, I'm stuck in what I call the, the day of confusion. And even harder than confusion, the day of waiting. You feel like you just ever had to just sit and wait? Waiting is miserable. I'm a mover in my life. I like to get stuff done. I don't like to wait. I found out that I got to wait 30 days to start building my house because of the homeowners association. I'm like, this is crazy. I got the loan. I got everything. But they wanted, they wanted the engineer blueprints that weren't done yet. And so I'm waiting, and it confuses me and boggles my mind. Why, why does all this bureaucracy happen? And, and it, it drives me crazy. But sometimes there's waiting in our life, and our pain and lack of answers causes confusion in our life. And you say, I, I don't understand. I'm confused. Why would God let me go through this? Why do we have to do this? Why? And because we're confused, we want answers, and we want them now. And I, and I can tell you this much. Like I said, I, I, I want answers. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask a bunch of questions. I think I'm going to run over to Adam pull his shirt up, just see if he has a belly button. I am. I'm going to do it. You can be behind me and look. And then I'm going to have a real heart-to-heart with a guy named Noah. And I'm going to say, Noah, living in East Texas, why didn't you swat those two mosquitoes while you were on the ark? Why don't you take care of that stuff? I'm going to ask why the word abbreviated is so long. I'm going to ask all kinds of questions. Y'all need to get with it. It's Easter today. I'm going to ask the Lord why sheep don't shrink when they get wet, because all my cotton T-shirts do. I'm going to ask them if flying is safe, why they call the airport terminal. And then I, the, my, my favorite question is, is why is the guy who invests your money called a broker? I, just, I got questions in my life, and I need answers. And then I'm living in an apartment right now. I want to know if they're, if they're called apartments, why are they so close together? Why can I hear my, neighbor, my neighbor's feet every night? But, but we get stuck in Saturday, so we begin to doubt and there's a guy in the Bible who, who will be forever proclaimed and known because of his doubt. And we call him Doubting Thomas. And he actually told Jesus, okay, you say it's you. He appears to him. And he says, you say it's you, but I want to put my hands in the holes. I, I want to see your side where, where the spear stabbed you. And because he was confused and he had doubt in his life. And it's a day where they're in a Saturday and all the disciples are going crazy. They forgot that Jesus said that there was a third day. They forgot all about it. All they know is they saw him die on a cross and most of them even abandoned him for during that time of his, of his life. Most painful part of his life and his best friends that he's walked with, he's talked with, and he's traveled with abandoned him. Some of you are saying, Pastor, that's me. I'm there right now in my life. I feel like I've been abandoned. I, I, the pain is too, I don't know how to deal with it anymore. In fact, one of the disciples even committed suicide. Peter got all of his gear packed up and decided he was going back to be a fisherman. He was going to quit and go back to fishing. 
because they were confused and there was pain in their life and they didn't know what to think about it and they start, they start, they start asking why because everything didn't go according to the way they thought it should go. And we do that same thing in our lives because everything in our life isn't going exactly the way we planned it or think it should go and we're in this season of waiting. We start asking questions and we let the enemy start whispering little things in our ears and saying God's not with you and God's not present in your life and and everything's going to fall apart and, and your life isn't worth a hoot. Your life doesn't matter. And you start hearing all these voices in your head because you're confused and you just don't, you don't know and you're saying, God, why? And, and you're crying out to his throne, God, why? Why is this happening to me? Why am I fighting this illness in my body? Why do I have this pain? Why do I have these constant headaches? Why, why is my marriage failing? Why is my whole life crumbling at my feet? It's because you're stuck in a Saturday. You're, you're waiting, and we all go crazy. And, 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 and I have an example of how to get you out of this. David's worship leader was, was named Asaph. And he's, in Psalms, we read in Psalm 73, 16, how he's, he's complaining and he's confused. In fact, a, a few verses earlier, he says, Surely in vain I'm staying pure. Surely everything I do is in vain, Lord. He's confused. He's tired of being in the part of his life where he's waiting and everything's going wrong. And, and, and then he comes to this conclusion. He said, when I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. In other words, he said, when I tried to understand this, I got depressed. I got depressed when I leaned on my own understanding. I got depressed when I started thinking about the things that are going on in my life. He says, till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood. There's something about we feel so, so far away from God. We feel like he's closed off in our life and, and depression starts to enter in. But, but we want God to be close and we don't want our people to feel far away. You start feeling like your friends are far away and your family's far away and God's so far, far, far away and you're just completely closed off from where he's at. But the difference between close and closed off is but one D on the end of the word close. Close and closed, just one D. And Asaph said, let me tell you what knocked the depression off. Let me tell you what knocked the D off of, 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 and and kept God from being closed out of my life to, to him becoming close to me again was I entered into his sanctuary and I began to praise him. I began to love him once again. And as I drew close to him, he drew close to me and I could feel his presence. And in his presence, there's fullness of joy. I've been there. We were in the hospital with my little boy. He was in a severe go-kart accident. Shattered his arm in a million places from here to here. First hospital we went to said there's biggest, newest hospital in the whole area said there's nothing we can do for your son. We've never seen an arm this bad. Went to another hospital. Doctor said, I can do surgery. I can fix most of it. Uh, we'll have to do more surgeries and stuff, but we'll do the first one, send him home. So they did the first one, bandaged us up. We were there for two weeks. Then they sent us home. Sent us home. And I, something in my spirit felt like it wasn't right that we were going home. Something felt like the job wasn't done right and stuff wasn't going right. 
his arm just didn't look right and didn't smell right. And there, was, there was death in that arm. He had an infection and the doctors didn't catch it. They sent us home. We go home for three days and ooze starts running out of his cast. And it smells like death. And, and you're panicking. And I called the doctor's office and they say, said, oh, it's, it's okay. You have an appointment tomorrow. Sometimes tomorrow ain't soon enough for you. When, when, you, when you're looking at your kid's arm and he's crying in pain and there's an ooze coming out of it and something in there is dying. It's the same thing with our lives. We, we, we know that everything's not all right, and we just we don't know how to step out of it. And, and we get confused, and things are going wrong, and then we go to another doctor, and we spend seven weeks in the hospital treating infection. Then he spends six months with IVs in his arm, can't even go outside to play. And, and this whole time, I'm confused, and I'm in pain, and I, I'm asking, why, God, is this happening to my son? I've served you all my life. I've done everything wrong. I've really never even committed any really major sins. I've, I've tried to live for you all my life. Why the pain? Why the agony? And then I started to praise him. I just began to worship where I was at. God said, I got you. This is, this is all happening, and I'm going to put purpose to it. It ain't fair, and it should never happen to you. But, but I want you to know, my son, it's okay. But, I, but I had, it wasn't until I got into his presence and I got into the sanctuary that it was okay. We have to get close to him. And then there's Sunday, the day of resurrection, the day of winning, the third day the disciples forgot about See, one thing about Jesus, he doesn't offer resurrection. He is the resurrection. He is the resurrection. Let me tell you what, if you're going through the stuff I've talked about this morning, you're just one sunrise away. You're just one walk down the altar away from God healing and taking care of some problems in your life. In, in John eleven twenty five through 26, it says this. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone, are you anyone? Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? It's Resurrection Sunday. Do you believe this? I have one goal today, and that's to get you to believe there is no death that his power cannot resurrect. Don't matter what you've gone through, it don't matter where you're standing at in your life, he wants to take you somewhere. Look, I, I am thoroughly convinced that preaching doesn't convince people to follow Jesus. Real life stories do. Real life stories do. And our team's coming up and they're going to share some of those stories with you. And I dream of wrestling when my whole world stopped finding out my parents were divorcing they were both addicts and could not get along when my mom left she left a hole in my life that was filled with drugs and alcohol 
Drugs became my go-to with coping with every problem that I had in life. I would meet my wife at the age of 20. We fell in love and she tolerated my drug use. At the age of 32, we had our first daughter on the way and I tried to stop using for my family on my own. I was successful for six months and thought I had it under control enough that I could use recreationally and it would be okay. Then I turned back to my drug of choice, Spice, leaving my wife to raise a newborn alone. I literally was living in our shed because my addiction had become so bad that I was not welcome to come home. After two back-to-back -back trips to the ER and a stay in jail, I knew things had to change. I had met Nick and he was fun. He had actually just walked up and kissed me out of nowhere, and I was in love. My love for him allowed me to tolerate his drug use. Even with the drug use, I married him and thought he would grow out of it, but I was wrong. I realized my dreams were falling apart when I had to hand my daughter over to my sister-in-law to watch while I was at the hospital because my husband had overdosed. The next day, it was so bad, he had overdosed again. And at this point, I had changed the locks on the house and he was living in our shed. During that process, our church and pastors, along with myself, were believing and praying for him. The next thing I know is Nick is not only imprisoned by drug use, but he is in jail for it. After nine days in jail, Nick started down a path of recovery, attending Celebrate Recovery, and being baptized, and now our family is alive again. seemed to be an endless nightmare. I was married with children, yet had never felt so alone. I was working and trying to climb the corporate ladder while working never-ending hours. We had reached an impasse. We had no communication in our marriage, and he had no idea what my needs were. When all of a sudden what I had thought was a nightmare turned into a living hell, I had an officer knock on my front door to inform me my daughter had been in an accident and was being rushed to the hospital and was in critical condition. As we arrived, they informed us that she had been put into an induced coma. Then she was rushed to another hospital in Houston with serious brain injuries. Our world was falling apart and I felt like our lives were all over. My wife was climbing the corporate ladder while I was working full-time raising our children, yet oblivious to the fact that my marriage and life as I knew it was falling apart. My wife was unhappy and we were drifting further apart every day. All of a sudden, after separating and trying to make it work again, my daughter's life was now hanging in the balance. After months of rehab and watching her learn how to talk and walk and function again, we once again separated, headed to divorce, when my wife decided to go to church with our son. Within a few weeks, I had heard God say clearly as day, I needed to go also. And now my wife and I, through Jesus, are alive again. Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. And my orphan heart was given a name. You just heard my parents' story. 
After learning how to walk and talk again and fighting for more than six months, my body eventually made a full recovery, but my spirit was headed to another crash deeper than a physical one I just experienced. I went on to get engaged to a guy who emotionally abused me, which led to a miscarriage and eventually hurt me so deep I called off the engagement. After swearing never to be hurt by another guy, I allowed my hurt and pain to take me down a spiraling path of alternate ways to feel love. All the more dying from the inside out, wanting to be loved, but yet feeling more hurt and rejected, looking for love and in a bias of darkness that only led to more pain. The whole time I was attending church, I found myself sitting in church and attending week after week and not realizing the whole time the answer was right in front of me. I am finally free and I can now say I am alive again. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. That's when death was arrested and my life began. I married the love of my life in 1993 with great expectations of love and endless joy in the fairy tale everyone dreams of. My wife, my bride, my dream suffered from a chronic illness and disease throughout our marriage. From monthly battles to a liver transplant in 2001, every day I wondered if it would be our last. I watched my bride Nellie remain strong in her faith, ever telling of God's goodness and grace and sharing his love with everyone she came into contact with, even in the hospital, while knowing her circumstances were not good. After spending our last Christmas and two and a half months in the hospital, Nellie won her battle and slipped the bonds of this earth, leaving me angry and confused of why she had to leave me so soon. But today, through God's grace, not just my bride, but I am also alive again. we serve a real God and he wants to change your life just like he changed each and every one of these people's lives we all have questions we all wonder why and at times in our life we just have to trust and we just have to know that our God is good and he has a purpose even in the pain he has a purpose even when you're confused he has a purpose in the warring a purpose in the waiting, and he has a purpose in being alive again. In Philippians 3.10, I want to end with this verse today. Paul says this. He says, I want to know Christ so that I can experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. In other words, I want, to, I want him to be with me in my Friday. I want to share in his death. I want to be there on the, on the Saturdays so that one way or another I will experience Sunday, the resurrection from the dead. Only one thing helps us with that, and his name is Jesus. There's but one name that's above every name, and that name is Jesus. He can save you. He can set you free. But the key is you have to want it. You have to ask him. He wants you. He died just for you. What more could he do? I told you in your, in your seat pockets was a card, and I want you to pull those out with me today. 
we're going to do this a little different than we normally do it. I'm not going to ask you to stand with me. I'm not going to ask you to bow your head right now. On the bottom of this card, there's an A, there's a B, there's a C, and there's a D. A stands for already. I'm already in a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, I want you to check it. Now, each one of these boxes, that they are you. That's what I want you to know. Whether you check them or not, that they are you. They describe you. B says, I'm renewing my relationship today, Pastor. I need, I need, I need that power back in my life. I, I don't want to just celebrate Easter today, Pastor. I want to experience it in a new way. If that's you, I want you to check that box. Or maybe it's C. Maybe you say, Pastor, I've never said the sinner's prayer. I've never asked Jesus to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. That's me today. And I'm tired of feeling the pain. I'm, I'm tired of being stuck in a Friday and a Saturday. I want to experience Sunday. I want to experience His resurrection power. If that's to you today, just check that. And for some, it's D. It says, I'd just like to think about it some more. In fact, some of y'all might say, I- I'm never going to make that decision. And that's fine too, because year after year, I've seen people check that D. And I've seen, them, I've seen some of them say, I'm never going to make that decision. The following year, they, some of them will say, Pastor, I made that decision today. Because the truth is, you're going to go home and you're going to think about this. And the more you think about it, the more it's going to make sense to you. See, because Jesus died for you and there's power in his name. There's a power that I can't even express in my words today. Some of you are going to go home and he's going to convict you and he's going to talk to you all week long. And you'll come back next Saturday or next Sunday and you'll say, Pastor, I want to make that decision today. That's fine too. But if C describes you today or B and you want to make a new commitment to Christ today, I'm going to ask everybody to stand with me. And as you've checked those boxes on your cards and you stand today, If B or C is you and you want to you experience the power of the resurrection in your life, you say, Pastor, I, I, I have to have something different than what I have right now. I'll try anything. I want to tell you the best thing you could ever try. His name is Jesus. And there, there's power in His name. There's power. The same power that, that raised Him from the dead can live in you. All you have to do is ask. Today, if you say, that's me, Pastor, I want to pray that prayer. Let's pray right now. Just say, Jesus. Jesus, that's me. I, I, need, I need to get out of, this, out of these crazy days I've been living in. I need you to save me. I need your power in my life. So today, Father, I admit I'm a sinner. I believe you died and rose again. And I ask you to come into my heart. Fill me with that power. Save me and set me free. I make you my Lord today and my Savior. In your name I pray.